Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wabarakatuh Muslim Masjid presents Tea with Mufti Sharing beautiful reflections through the lens of Islam I'm Ustaz Abdul Matin And I'm here with our Mufti of Singapore Sahib Samaha Dr. Nazruddin Muhammad Nasir I have a question What does it mean for a person to be faithful Or not to be a man of faith? Well, uh, faith has been used in many different ways. I think you are referring to, in our context, usually someone with the belief in the teachings of religion. So a man of faith, or to be faithful means to be committed right, to the teachings of Islam, the beliefs of Islam. But I think there is also the other important aspect of being faithful, which is not to just know and accept the teachings and the pillars and the foundations, but also to go beyond and be fully committed to it. So to be a man of faith is to stand up for your beliefs and to be able to withstand you know, challenges to the faith itself. So for example, you know, it's always easy to say that I, you know, I believe in these things, but sometimes we don't, we are not able to, for example, prove our belief. Right? So if you are faithful to your marriage, as an example, you're faithful to your marriage, And here we use the word faithful in a very general sense, but you are committed to it. So even if you have some challenges to the relationship, you know, whether there's a, you know, because of work or other things, you are uh, fully committed to the marriage and to your spouse, that your spouse continues to have full trust in you being committed to the relationship. So there's no element of doubt because you have proven time and again that, you know, even with temptations, even with distractions or other kind of tests, that uh, you continue to uphold the trust that you have built between you and your spouse. Now, in the same way that as a Muslim, I, I remember the story of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam has always been used as a Nabi Ibrahim or Ibrahim alayhi salam as a paragon of faith uh, because you know he was uh, given the one of the most challenging, probably the most challenging task any prophet or messenger could imagine, which is to sacrifice his own child. Of course, God in his grand scheme knew, and God knows that uh, he will not ask Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam to, to sacrifice thing. his child. But that was a test. And Nabi Ibrahim fulfilled the test and you know did well. And that is why in the Quran, Allah says, uh, Ibrahim kana So all those are about his faith to Allah. It's pure. It is full commitment, full dedication to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's a paragon. It's like a, it's the most ideal that we strive for. And in the same way that uh, beloved Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he also emulated the footpaths or the, the pathways of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam, committed to his faith even in the most difficult moments. So here I think faith, we're talking about iman, mu'min. But I think one of the difficulties is, you know, when you ask any, anyone, any Muslim, they will say that Iman is the most important, this is the most important thing. There is no disagreement that as a Muslim, Iman is the most important. But the question is, how do you get there? How do you get to the stage where you fully understand what you need to believe in, and then you fully believe in and you're committed to it? You know, sometimes we get there through various means, right? We are born in a family of Muslims and therefore we become a Muslim, a believer, someone with faith. Or sometimes you get introduced through other ways and means. Sometimes you have an experience. In fact, even people who have been born Muslims, sometimes they don't 
pay too much attention to the faith. But something happens in life, we call them reborn, mm. you know, uh, born again Muslims, for example. And then, you know, you feel that now I have faith and now I really understand what this is all about and I'm committed to it. More convinced, in a sense. Convinced and committed, yeah. But I think the challenge here, Sabah Martin, is that, you know, faith is such a personal, private thing. It, you know, it's, it happens or it takes place in your heart. So, for example, if I can just uh, mention Imam Al-Imam Al-Hassan Al-Basri, rahimahullah, he said, so iman is not about you know embellishing it or or the outer appearance. not about hopes and you know wanting certain things or you think that you know I should get paradise or something. Iman is something that rests right in your heart. So it's something very deep within us. And it's the same way that you think about when you believe in your family, you believe in your spouse, you believe in your children. It's very difficult to tangibly or scientifically prove it. But it doesn't rest there because the danger of saying something is in my heart and says, no, well, no, I believe and you know, there's no evidence for it. There's a danger of that. So Imam al-Hassan Basri said, وَصَدَّقَهُ amal." It's proven by deeds. Proven by the deeds. So your actions will prove your belief. So this is what I meant earlier when we said about relationship, right? You can't just tell your wife, I love you, I'm committed to you. You know, She knows you're bluffing or she knows you're telling a lie because of your actions. We have to prove it through actions. The same way that a man of faith is not a man of just words. And, and that is exactly why in the Quran, read carefully, repeated time and again, amanu wa amilu salihat. It's not just about, you can't say, I believe, I have faith, but you have to do good deeds. Those who believe and those who perform or do good deeds. Uh, deeds or actions that reconcile, actions that bring goodness, you know. So they come together. And I think that is a measure of our faith, a man of faith or being faithful where we are committed to the belief through what is in our hearts that we, we trust Allah, we trust the religion, but we also prove it through our actions. And you must find convergence between the two. So one of the ways in which we can tell that something is, may not be right with our belief or our faith, the iman, is when the actions do not tally. So far as our iman, there are some basic teachings in Islam of what we should believe in how we should believe, right? There are a lot of discussions and disagreements as to the specifics. In Islamic theology, if you did, you know, usul, uh, usul al-Din and Aqidah and Falsafa, Kalam and theology and philosophy, a lot of debates about the specifics of certain things. But there are certain foundations or fundamentals of belief. And even so, that is still, the basic guidance is to help us ensure that our faith is right. Beyond that, of course, there are a lot of differences, like I said. But there are actions that will prove your belief. And those actions are governed even by greater principles, guidelines and framework to ensure that both go together and you are uh, following the right kind of faith or the right kind of belief. Tea with Mufti is brought to you by Muslim SG, a one-stop online media platform that aims to inspire and empower Singapore Muslims with bespoke Islamic religious content. Follow us on social media.
Now, today in this day and age where they are arguing a lot of contesting ideologies and also maybe even divine teachings, how can we maintain our faith, uh, bring about ourselves as a man of faith in the face of all of these challenges? Yeah, I mean, faith is not faith without test. You can only prove that you completely believe and you have belief only when you are tested. Right? Do mankind think that they will be left to say or claim that they have amanna, we believe, and they're not tested. We have tested those before them. And through the test that we know those who have been truthful in their belief and those who have actually made up or fabricated the belief. So in other words, they don't actually really believe. So test will come. And I think test comes in all forms. I think you mentioned quite a couple of good examples. Sometimes there are ideas or ideologies that directly affect or challenge our belief. And I think in some cases which are worse, I think there are deviant teachings or you know errant teachings, which if you look at the framework of Islam in its complete tradition, it goes against it. But you see, if I can just go a few steps back, one of the reasons why sometimes we believe and sometimes we are influenced is as human beings, there's, there's a lot going on in the mind, right? Uh, one of which is influence. We are, or we can be easily influenced by many things. So for example, in matters relating to ideas or ideologies, as you said, we could be influenced because of many reasons. We could be influenced because we do find the ideas more attractive or we find the ideas more relevant or useful for us at that particular point. We could be influenced because the person selling us the idea is a wonderful salesman, you know, a very good salesman, so very charismatic, not just words but appearance and everything else. We could also be influenced because of our state. So whether it's our own psychological state, we are in doubt we are vulnerable. We have just gone through a difficult period in our lives. We are down, emotionally down. Someone comes and, you know, gives you a sense that they will save you or they will help you. So there are a lot of reasons. So it could be psychological, it could be... So I think the problem for many of us, we often think that it's all about religion. Uh, it's all about, you know, the ideas itself, whether it's religious, it's not religious, whether it's right, it's wrong religiously. That is secondary. What is primary is why do some ideas sell? Not to everyone, but to certain people. So if you look at this very carefully, then you would also recognize that historically, I mean, there have been a lot of cults, for example. And I'm not just talking about Islam or Muslims, I'm talking about generally. A lot of cults, a lot of people who are able to influence groups of people through magic, through ideas relating to spirituality, Scams, financial scams. I mean, that's a very good example. You know, people promising you illogical gains. And when you hear such stories, you think, how on earth did that person believe, you know, this thing and lost so much money? But, you know, at that state, if you catch me at the wrong state, you know, if you catch me at the wrong state, I'm in a vulnerable position. And pardon me for saying this, but a lot of people who actually, uh, you know, trick people into believing such people, they know when to come to you. So that's exactly why they come to you and they don't come to me, for example, or they come to me and they don't come to you because at that point, they might assess that you are quite stable. So you are not a target, so to speak, right? I could be because they knew that I was a bit vulnerable. 
So there are psychological reasons, and I think that's important to also understand, because there are those kind of challenges or tests at the ideological level. At the ideological level, I think sometimes people fall for such ideas or ideologies because they are not certain of their own. Um, and this is what we meant earlier when we said faith itself, it's not something that, you know, it's a question of how you get there. A very important part of getting to faith, which is strong, like the faith of Nabi Ibrahim a.s., is to ask difficult questions, to think about your faith. Tadabur, tafakkur, you know, fi anfusikum afala tubsirun. So God asks us in the Quran to look, to observe, to contemplate, to reflect, and then you get faith. So the story of Nabi Ibrahim, I mean, you know, he had a debate with his people. So it came night time and then they saw the star and they said, you know, Hada Rabbi, this is my God. So, you know, when the sun rises, the stars disappear. Of, of course, we know this is an astronomical phenomenon because uh, with light, the stars cannot be seen. So he said, you know, but God can't you know, disappear and appear, you know, as and when. So there was a thinking process that went on uh, the same way that some people say that if you are a believer or you are faithful, you cannot have doubts, right? You see, you can't be doubtful. And I think that's not right. A lot of scholars went through processes of phases of doubtfulness in their faith even, but that often leads them to become stronger, but not through doubt that in which you don't find a way out in terms of answering your doubts. If you do, then you will become stronger. And I often quote the story of Nabi Ibrahim again in the Quran, where Nabi Ibrahim a.s., he actually asked God a question, which... To many people, if you don't read this or didn't understand this, it's, you know, it's almost blasphemous to ask God. Why would he? Yes, so in Surah Al-Baqarah, right? The story that Nabi Ibrahim a.s. said, Rabbi arini kaifa mauta. God, show me how you give life to the dead. Qala awalam tu'min. So the God responded, Do you not believe, Ibrahim? So, qala bala. Indeed, I believe, oh my God. Walakin. So this itmi'nan, so that my heart is at rest, at peace with this belief. This itmi'nan is convinced to the extent that this is what we talked about, you know, faith at a level where even if you face big test, you will not waver, you will not shake because your foundations are very strong. And there was a process of questioning with God by Nabi Ibrahim a.s. Then Allah says, Qala arba'ata min ilayk, and until the end, you know, burnt in four pieces and then put out on different mountain tops. And then you call them and you will see that the bird comes together. That is how I give life to the dead. But I think the lesson in that particular verse is the conversation that Ibrahim had with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala about a doubt in his mind. Now, he believed that Allah gives life to the dead. Allah will resurrect mahshar. But at that point, to the human mind, I can't imagine that. I thought when something dies, it dies. That's the end of it. So there was a kind of a lingering doubt. Some scholars say maybe it's because he wanted to explain to his ummah. But there is nothing in the verse that says that it wasn't Nabi Ibrahim's own question. And if you read very carefully, it's a very intimate dialogue. Do you not believe? Qalbi. Qalbi, right? 
So there is that element of doubt. And I think one of the reasons why sometimes we fall for ideas, going back to the question ideologies, is partly because we ourselves are not convinced or we don't really have strong foundations for our own belief. Even if you have practiced, you have prayed your entire lifetime, you fast, you, you, know, you go to the mosque, but if you did not, that element is one element which we said just now, the amalu salihat, right? They do good deeds. But if it's based, or rather it's built on very feeble foundations, quite weak in terms of your belief system, I mean, God protect us, but if someone comes and starts giving you ideas, you may start to have self-doubt. Then how do you respond? In the same way that there might be people with cultish behaviors or wants to start a cult, is deviant, may have crazy ideas. Uh, to many people, these are crazy ideas. Why would you believe? But it might affect some people precisely because the foundations may not be strong. And the other very important thing, Sabah Martin, is the, when you asked me about you know, how do you face these things, right? Is that framework of the amal, whatever belief that you have. So, so someone may come to you and say, I've got this idea that, you know, uh, I know I can speak to the angel and the angel tells me today you don't have to do certain things, right? So he says that, you know, there is, I have access to the spiritual realm. You don't have that access because you're not there. You're not me, so you don't know. Fine. It's a private thing. I don't know how to prove that you're wrong, whatever. Whatever you're saying is crazy. But then he starts telling you, okay, so this thing is telling me that you should do certain things, A, B, C. Those things, in our tradition, in the Muslim tradition, we have clear guidelines, what can and cannot be done. And that should be our safeguard, our criteria that will protect us. So if you hear things that clearly ask you to do things which are completely contradictory or prohibited or objectionable, uh, never heard of, then you know that it's completely unacceptable. And that should be your safeguard. So whether it's about, you know, you could have a parallel kind of a social construct or system where in some cases a spiritual wives, you can have a spiritual marriage. So I'm with you in this room you know, observed by, uh, say, uh, angels or spirits you can't see, but only I can see them, and then we become husband and wife, for example, that is clearly, clearly out of line with Islam because there's no such thing as marriage, you know, in that realm, you know, between human beings and so on. And then you also have other teachings where you don't have to pray, you just have to do certain things, you know. I mean, if they have those ideas and they say this is a new religion or this is a new cult, you know, well, I mean... They might call it whatever they like, but they cannot call it Islam. You know, it's not part of Islam because Islam is very clear. So what do we do and how do we protect our community? So this is where it's important that in all that we do, we continue to move together as one community and we create institutions to protect it. Right? So for example, in learning about religion, we know that there will always be people, individuals. Remember I said earlier about, you know, the charisma and so on and so forth who may want to come up with all these crazy ideas and start to bring people to problematic groups. Yes, pathways, right? Yeah. So we protect our community by building an institution of religious teachers. Well, first they are qualified, they are registered. We know who they are, we know where they learn from, we know what they have learned, we know what they teach. So everybody knows about this and this is in the open. And that is one way to protect our community where if you need 
to learn Islam and you want to get religious guidance, you get from people who are qualified. And that is certainly, you know, learning in the open, it's accessible to everyone. These are the kind of qualities of, you know, teachings which are open for scrutiny. There's nothing to fear because it's something that we have learned for generations and we are teaching it. I think the danger is when, you know, the early signs of danger is when things are done very secretly, uh, exclusive groups, you know, you don't allow anybody else to come. You say, you know, people are not prepared to hear these things. Um, so those are the kind of things that give you very early indication. These are, uh, you know, like red flags or red signals that something is not really right. At the same time, I don't want to say that we cannot discuss and debate ideas, even if these ideas are not very common, whether about religion and so on. I think we need to have that kind of platforms. But I think it's not the same as discussing and debating them as opposed to teaching them, right? So in many cases, people fall because uh, they come in a vulnerable and also in an inferior position. So I come because I am here to learn and accept what you tell me. Entirely. Entirely. Because I'm not in a position to debate with you. And that is a clear sign of danger. Unlike, say... There are other ideologies. Someone says that, you know, I think on, say, Islam and political system, I think that, you know, certain things need to be done and say, oh, well, we have not heard this much before. Does that mean it's deviant? Does that mean it's wrong? No, we can have a debate. And you bring in scholars, you bring in experts to talk about it. And if it's proven wrong, then we, you know, we say, fine, you know, this idea is not acceptable. Now, that's not the same as quickly when we are trying to protect the community from deviant or errant teachings, we say there must be clear guidelines as far as teaching is concerned. So we always say that a teacher, just like in any other context, a teacher has a very powerful position of influence. So you need to ensure that the person who actually teaches stands in front of a class, however small the class can be, three, four people, that teacher needs to be accountable for what he or she teaches. In as much as he or she also needs to be accountable for his or her Professional conduct as a teacher, right? So you, for example, you cannot abuse your power or position as a teacher, you know, and do you know, nasty things to your students. The uh, same way that you cannot be preaching wrong things to them because you're in a position of influence. And I think we need to protect the community, especially in relation to teachings that people who are actually teaching and found to be teaching, then they must be held to those kind of standards and those kind of criteria. Yeah, unlike, say a discussion or debate where everyone who participates are actually equals and, you know, they are also trained, they can have a debate about certain ideas. So those are two separate things. Okay, you mentioned a lot, Mufti. Thank you so much for that. You mentioned about different debating factors of how people can actually be, you know, attracted to certain ideologies and some not uh, probably psychological. Not just, it's not just about ideological factors, but also there's a factor where the community can take part in preventing or actually building a strong and resilient religious community. You also mentioned about the story of Prophet Ibrahim salam, which also tells us that our faith is not just the blind faith, but also a faith with reason as well. And that really brings light to how we can actually learn more about religion, to be uh, strong and convinced and also to be committed with our tradition. And with that, Mufti, I would like to thank you and give thanks to the listeners out there for being with us. And with that, we'll see you again, inshallah. Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.
That's it for this week's episode of Tea with Mufti. Do follow, share, and stay tuned for more episodes on our podcast channel. Assalamualaikum and thank you for listening.